0: Hello and welcome to the Displaced African podcast. The Displaced African is the African Immigrant's personal development blog. It can be found at www.thedisplacedafrican.com So I guess, um, um, tell this, people who this you is are just are to talk about Culture Shock. Okay. Okay. Alright, so, so um, first what, what I'll Caroline do is, I will, July. July. I have a website in front of me, so I I'll just talk about the stages I'm of, of Culture Shock. First of all, um, according I to this guide in in here, there are four right stages. The honeymoon stage, where everything is lovely, everything is beautiful. There are butterflies in trees everywhere. Followed by the frustration stage where everything like sucks, I have and then the understanding stage, which you begin to understand where you are, and eventually acclimatization they stage you realize, my good, God, I'm actually comfortable here. here. So, I guess the first question would be, do you actually go through and everything in that for list?
1: And can make something of their I, I of their think I, I went straight to culture. So shows shows to that, um, oh. When I first came here, I mean, I've traveled a lot. You know, my dad was a diplomat and we went to so many different countries. I went to school in India for five years. So I've traveled a lot. But you know, there's a difference between traveling and just having an education somewhere and then coming to a country to actually stay there and work there and make a living for yourself. So for me, the first thing that I'd say, actually, is that second stage just hit me like real bad, like, oh, the shock of, I'm oh,
0: here. my
1: God, I'm, I'm disgusted with this. I can't believe this is America. You know how people say America is, you know, the land of whatever it is that you want.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So I came in here and I went, I, I, I was living with a group of people. and The first thing I found out was that people had actually just been, were totally satisfied just living a certain kind of lifestyle. Uh-huh. Most of the people were working at, some, the same kind of job, like you know, just a dead end job that most people do here, just these menial jobs. But nobody was really like thinking of themselves or in terms of, oh my God, I can even go into corporate America and try to get a job. Everyone was like, well, I'm here now, and this is the life, and I'm here to make earn the dollar, and you know, there's pro- possibly nothing more uh-huh. to it than that, you know. So when I came here, I had my law degree, and I was thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? But I knew for a fact that I didn't want to pursue law here. So I was still because I had reached that point in my, you know, mid 20s where I was busy thinking, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do with my life? Mm -hmm. This is I don't want to pursue law. I don't want to spend another five years, you know, doing something that I'm not passionate about. I always wanted to work for a non-governmental organization. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like even when I was in Kenya, that was kind of a dream that I'd always wanted. And that was one of the reasons why I pursued law, because I wanted to use my law to like work in, you know, how it is in Africa. People, you know, you pursue law and then you want to go out there and work with the people, help women, you know, just empower them in some capacity. And I wanted to do that, like, you know, in in the economic sense. So when I came to America, I was looking around. I I wasn't seeing any organizations that really, really dealt with grassroots issues of women. Mm -hmm. Everything was totally different. So anyway, when I I got here, I was just like, what am I going to do with my life? I was kind of confused and I kind of decided at that point that – Pursuing law was not the way to go for me, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. There was just this whole confusion. America was suddenly such a strange land. Then I had to deal with the fact that I was from Africa, and then the fact that I was black, because now I was seeing that people were actually discriminating against people based on, oh, you're not only from Africa, but you're also a black person. I know for people from Africa, we really don't have that um, thing about judging people by the color of their skin. It's usually a matter of class, maybe, you know? Yeah. Oh, who was your father? Who was your mother? You know, you know, those kinds of things, monetary issues and things like that. It's never about color and things like that. So for me, it really, really hit me hard when I came here. And I found that now I suddenly had to. I mean, the 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 thing that with the people that I lived with, which I, the, they always wanted people to just flow on the same level any moment you decided to think about oh let me go out there and get a job like in corporate america everyone would like try to clamp you down and then it just hit me that oh my goodness this is the life that i'm going to live this is the life that i'm i'm gonna live when i'm in america i'm just gonna be living here with this group of people i was just so confused i was so lost for the five first maybe three years of my living in america i just did not have an idea about what i was going to do the direction in my life, I started struggling with internal matters of who who am I as a person? Where am I going? What's my destiny? What's my purpose? Why am I here? I started like really, really struggling with these kinds of questions. And in the meantime, just trying to deal with these issues really threw me off track for a long time. Like there's this emotional fall that I was trying to work through these issues and just try to get everything clear. And nobody was helping me. I was trying to look for mentors all around People were constantly complaining about race, color, their accent, the the way, you know, people probably have some people have immigration issues and things like that. And people, all these things were like barriers that were so high Mm -hmm. in the minds of people that it was just so difficult to penetrate. And there's Mm -hmm. no one who was really there, honestly, to give people solid advice on what to do. What is the next step to take? How can I maneuver this? Who is the person to reach out for help to. There was just absolutely no one. Everybody was just like, you know, every man for himself, God for us all. Yeah. So that was really basically the mentality at that time. So may I, pro- I probably will say, in as, in as much as, a, as a, I was amazed by America and just being in this beautiful country, I was also, I went straight into the second stage of it, where I was totally dis- disappointed. I was totally frustrated. I was just, you know, and yeah. then the worst thing after that is you go out there finally trying to like, make a living for yourself and then I found myself in a dead end job and that was for me like the, the beginning of the end what job, did you, what, what job were you doing? I started working for a, a cosmetic manufacturing company doing data entry that was how I got that into corporate America. That was how I really went in because I had decided from the beginning that I wasn't going to do the thing that everybody else does because I wanted to get away from that crowd. That was for me the most important thing. Get away from that crowd and try to do something different with my life as I was still trying to like figure myself out and things like that. So when I went into corporate America, oh my goodness, doing a dead end job and I was thinking to myself, okay, this is me now. I'm going to make my life happen. You know, these people should know that I'm not an idiot. But obviously, by default, I was an idiot because there's all these unspoken codes. And, you know, and here you are me doing a menial job. People are, you know, everybody's talking. Oh, my God, black people don't uh, make any progress in these organizations. You know, my boss was so bad to me. I'm telling you, she was the rudest person I ever met in this planet. But I can tell you for a fact that just because I did that dead end job for a couple of about a year or so, I discovered a lot about myself being in that position, and that is how I actually launched out to do stuff for myself. Because down there, in that, deep down in that frustration, I found that diamond that really was in me that made me come out and live, start living my dream. And it's actually the basis of what I, everything that I do, my life started out in that hole, being abused and insulted um, by this boss, and just being, I, and the worst thing was she was doing all these things to me, and I really felt powerless at that time. You know, I, there was not, I would never respond to her. I would never say anything back. I would just sit there and just be beaten. Life was beating me. Um, the world was beating me. My attitude was wrong. I was depressed. I was frustrated. I was disappointed. I was disgusted. I just did not see a way forward for myself until one day someone at my job came to me and said to me, Caroline, I can't believe that an intelligent woman such as yourself is subjecting yourself to this kind of lifestyle willingly. And yet you can do something with your life. And he asked me one simple question. What do you, you want to do with your life? And I told him that I wanted to start an organization for women. And he sat me down immediately and built me a website. Like, you know, they had those um, templates. Yep. And he told me, what is the name? Give me a name for this, this women's organization. And I said, I said, Catapult Young Women's Club. What is it going to be about? And I gave him my vision. And he put it right there on, on my computer screen. And that was the beginning of the life-changing journey that I began. Making me the woman that I believe I am today. That was the beginning of that strength. And just getting out of culture shock and starting out on my own and just becoming the woman that I am. It was just that one man who spoke to me in that dead-end job and told me that there was a way out and reminded me of my vision and reminded me of my dream and just stirred my passion for what I always wanted to do. And it was as simple as that.
0: So of co- that's clearly how you went through understanding and then acclimatization.
1: Accla- yeah, I guess so.
0: Oh, it's yeah. called acclimation. Sorry, I thought it was acclimatization. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Literacy has gone down. So. I know. <laughs> and what and what have you tended to notice, like in in other in other people who come, like the the certain um the patterns, like the common patterns, because I think what happens in the states. From what I can gather is almost exactly what happens here in Australia for some odd reason, regardless of the differences in culture of the host nations, but apparently there's a lot of similarities. A Kenyan is a Kenyan is a Kenyan. A Zim is a Zim. An African is an African. (laughs) So so what, what, what is, what you've tended to notice?
1: The thing that I've tended to notice really is this for me, and which is the most painful point, is this herd mentality where everybody just flows. Most people, not everybody, most people flow in herds. They have these cliques and these organizations, which is good because everybody needs to be around people that you know and have all those kinds of relationships. But the thing that I notice most uh, happens to most people is people flock together and follow the same mindset and the same mind pattern that by the time they realize that they should have done something with their lives, it's too late, you know. You come to America, join a group of friends. The group of friends is going down one route, possibly down the drain. And even you, even though you had dreams and even though you had desires and even though you wanted to, you want to accomplish things for yourself, just because you're locked up in this mentality and you surround yourself with the wrong people, the people who speak negativity, people who are actually distant about life and are totally content with that intolerable situation, you can't change your life, you know. Yeah. You just find that it becomes more difficult to break up because there are so many forces preventing you from doing that, and let alone just the internal conflicts that you have. Now you have to deal with people outside who are actually stopping you from going forward and just doing something different with your your life. So I think that that is one of the most important things that um, I really like. For me, I really advise any immigrant, if you come here, even though you have a group of friends, you know, just try to, you know, run in a different direction if you can,
0: you know. I think, I think it was, uh, I interviewed, uh, David Kobia and I think w- what he said was a problem when people come here is that they don't realize when you re- reach the West, you're not competing with your peers. You actually compete exactly. with everyone all over the world. And so, um, I think the important thing is to realize that our own culture has its own limitations. And I mean, as much as we might romanticize about our culture, and I do love our culture and I love where we come from, yes. it has its limitations. So for you, to assume that the limitations of, this of your society back home are the limitations of the society here is you're really locking yourself in in a really bad way, I think. That's something that I've heard over and over and over again, and I just really want to reinforce that in case anyone is listening to this, and especially for people who are about to fly out, just yeah. please, just embrace that simple, that's one of the most important things for you to embrace.
1: Yeah, and also that aspect of just knowing, Just just to piggyback on what you just said, People have to be ready also for a transition. When you come here, you have to know that, you know, some of the old stuff got to go. And, you know, just be ready to learn something new uh, that will help you, like, be able to settle in in America or whatever it is that you're going, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Sometimes you just have to drop some things. But that doesn't mean that you have to change who you are, which is one of the things that really I find that hinders most people. And it's also something to do with culture shock. When you think that when you come to this country or you come to a foreign land that you have to be someone else other than yourself. Yeah. Like of course some people have to pick up accents or whatever it is that you have to do to make yourself fit into the society. But besides that, when you change the core of who you are to the point where you cannot function, you cannot identify with who you are, you're not authentic anymore, then it becomes a struggle, you know? Uh-huh. There's so many things people are fighting against, but just the fact that you're changing the authentic you into yeah. being something you don't understand yourself. You think, oh my goodness, if I have to su- succeed, maybe I have to be like this rapper, or maybe I have to be like this celebrity, or maybe I have to be like this person. And yeah. because there's that conflict of you really don't know who you are. Because when you come into a new country, many times you even lose a sense of who you are. You kind of get confused trying to figure yourself out until you get to a point where there's a balance. Yeah. But as long as you remain authentic, then you can really, I mean, you can really take life head on and just, it's just a whole different thing about just settling that this is who I am, this is who I choose to be, and this is how I'm going to live my life. Then it becomes very clear exactly what path to take at that point.
0: Okay. And I think um, one one thing that I'd say is um, if someone, for example, actually doesn't know who they are, they come here and they realize they don't know who they are and what little identity they had was taken away by this place, I think a lot of people don't actually see that. That's actually a huge opportunity for you to actually discover just who you are you're free, because right. the best thing is you're actually at a very different vantage point. So you can actually look back on what you used to do at home with a very fresh perspective and just see who exact what what motivates me, what was I, who mo who inspired me and stuff like that. I think yeah, to um combine that with like the herd mentality, I think that it's it's really to your detriment if you lose your identity and then immediately piggyback with other people and just start following their route actually yes. meant to pull back and just stop and chill. Who exactly am I? What? Why Why am I, Why did God put me here? I think there's a reason that the church calls it being born again. I think that's yes, the yes. metaphor that you can use for coming here. Be, if, you're, if you don't exactly. know who you are, then become born again.
1: That's perfect. That's perfect. That's perfect. And you're absolutely right. That is like the most important question. And I think many people grapple with that question. Some people know about it earlier. Who am I? What am I doing here? This is the beginning. What should yeah. I do now? Who am I choosing to be at this point? You know? Yeah. People grapple with these questions, but everybody has to answer it at some point so that, you know, it's much easier to make the transition into the new culture. Okay.
0: So let's talk about, because I guess this would be more of an America-specific issue because racism is not that big of an issue here in Australia. So talk, talk about, like, racism, um, not only, like, amongst white people, but I also understand is racism between Africans themselves, the African-Americans and the Africans. So talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, actually, the aspect of racism, personally, especially between Africans and African-Americans, um, African I have personally never encountered that scenario myself. Okay. For whatever reason, I, I know about it. I've seen it on TV and I've heard, seen so many movies. And I've also sat with people who have openly discussed this issue. But I personally have not um, encountered it. But I am more, uh, I'm more aware of the racism aspect when it comes to whites versus blacks, especially when I, it comes to the workplace, for example. Uh-huh. Like, you see, I would give a perfect example of my job where it was at for a period of three years when I worked there, there was not a single black person except for me. And the, this single black person who was me was at the bottom of the of the of the rung. <laughs> you know what i'm saying so yeah. and there was never any chances for promotion or, or whatever it was i was just and i kept wondering why is it that they were not hiring any black people in this company and they would never give me any promotion and that, at that time i was dealing with all these issues with this boss who thought that maybe who totally totally was so mean to me i can't i can't even explain it but i thank her because because of her i was determined to just get up and run with my life you know yeah but I noticed that a lot in my company. And then every time they would, bla- they would hire one black person, the next day the person would be gone. And it's been a long time. I have a day job and I have a, 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 an evening job. Like, you know, I work during the day and I have my part-time business, which I do, which has actually brought me a lot of happiness. But during the day, I've, my day job, which is my regular job,
0: mm.
1: I have seen that black people, like at my job, I know it's different in every case. and every. It really depends. and It doesn't have to affect you because... The fact that there's racism doesn't mean that you can't be who you are or you can't fulfill your dreams or you can't live your life or you can't achieve anything. Those are just things that are there, but, you know, people have to move beyond that. But they still exist, and that should not be a reason for anybody to be, you know, to be satisfied with how life is, with how their lives are, if those lives they're leading are very intolerable.
0: Yeah, they're barriers. They're not the be-all and end-all.
1: Yeah, they're barriers, and everybody will face them, you know, these things are there, they exist, but they are not the things that are going to stop, stop us. Because people have lived and survived with all these racist cultures. People have been persecuted. We know all the stories of horrible things that have happened to people, but people still forge ahead and do what they have to do.
0: Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if nothing else, just remember that Madam C.J. Walker and Oprah Winfrey have both been, <laughs> at one time or another, the richest women in America. So, exactly. So clearly... <laughs> And how, CJ Walker is from what, like 1930s or something. So I mean, yeah. clearly you, Africans can do something, right? And I mean, like in the States, I know that Africans are the best educated folks. So I don't, I don't, yeah. yeah, I think, I don't think um anyone can really use as an excuse that they think that they are less than. I mean, there's too much evidence to the contrary. So I hope that's not a, that's a non-issue for most people. I think it is a non-issue for a lot of people, but if it is an yeah. issue for you, let me just tell you, there's a lot of evidence to the contrary. I mean, there's, just, there's no need to discuss it as for, uh, from where I'm coming from.
1: Yeah, it should not even be discussed because I think also for Africans, racism is such an alien concept. There are other issues that they're dealing with, you know, that are much more important than the racism aspect. Just as long as they can overcome those personal demons and those demons within the African culture, then racism should never, not be an issue for any African or for anyone for that matter.
0: Okay, and um, one thing um, I was talking I was talking recently, and um, we realized that though, like in Australia, the race issue is not a very big issue. One big issue that does exist here that you really take for granted, especially when you come from the outside, is just the difference that exists in culture between you and the people in the majority country. So I think um, when I when I first came, and, and I often say this because I came I came here of course when I was when I was 15, and the la- the last thing I was told just before I came was I was told. White women love African men. So that's all I knew. White women love African men and I knew I was a popular kid in school so I was gonna come here and become the best thing. And I came here and, and that didn't, and that didn't happen. And you know, it's just over time is when I've come to realize it wasn't really an, a race issue per se. It was more of a cultural issue. I never ever really took the time to think about who exactly are these people in front of me. I just took it for granted that, you know, you like me. I mean, I, I was popular back home so you like me. I mean, duh. Yeah, yeah. And I just yeah I guess like so I, w- I just want to get your take on like the cul- the culture issue, which is almost never really discussed, like really appreciating different people's cultures and stuff like that
1: well i think i'm the I'm the best person to ask this question because
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad that I asked you <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> because i have uh have i have so many friends who have crossed that um barrier that you're talking about in terms of relationships and you know the fact that maybe you know. I don't know. I also come from a family that's a really pretty mixed up. So for me, I have never really perceived this as an issue. But I know so many people that have a problem with it. You know, you come in and th- like just like you said, you come in and you, you, wanted, you thought that, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be the hot stuff, you know? Yeah. And then you come here and then you find that, you know, these these things are totally different. And I think I heard one of your podcasts where someone was, was uh, um, ma- mentioning That, um, what was it about? I think you were talking, the the person was asking you about uh, the issue of um, that comment you had made about your sister. If your sister brought home a white guy, what would you say, or someone from a different race, and how would you react to it? But I think also, just as as you said before, when you come here, you must be ready for change and you must must be ready for all kinds of things. Sometimes the old attitudes have to be dropped and you have to be ready to adapt new ones. And maybe the new ones could be better for you in the long run. So just as you have to, you have your own culture, you also have to be ready to understand other people's cultures and just accept that this is how the world is moving forward these days in some cases.
0: Yeah. And what about vision? Like a lot of people come here and they really don't have like vision. And I think that's another thing that I've heard like a lot of folks talk about. Like you need, before you come to the, before you come to the West, you need a vision. I mean, I say it myself. And I always encourage people to have a vision. Talk, talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, vision is very important. It is important. But the truth of the matter is, by the time most people come here, I mean, just even think about the time when you came here. Most people, Some people really are clear about what they want, you know. Yeah. But some people come here and the, they're overwhelmed by the, the new society. So even if they had a vision, They have no courage to pursue it or they come here and they just get totally lost and they really don't see the need to have a vision at all other than just to let flow with the ebb of life. But the most important thing, just as you said even earlier, is to have that vision, come to a new country, try to find yourself like we're talking about a little bit earlier. You have to answer that question. Who am I? What am I doing here? And then start from there. And then create a new vision for your life in this new country. If you really don't have anything in your heart, like the moment you come in here, what am I going to do with my life? What is the vision I'm going to create uh, for myself? Come to a new country. Get over the confusion. I mean, it's going to be there. Try to get over it as quick as possible. And then decide from that point, this is who I am and this is what I want to achieve. Because these days, it's pretty easy for anybody who has access to the Internet to be able to do anything that they want. Everything at the click of a button. You can find any answer to any question. Pick up the, uh, the, the pick up the phone and call anyone at any given moment. You can have access to all the information you need. So I personally think that there's no excuse for anybody not to be able to do anything, not to be able to create any vision for themselves, and not to be able to achieve it. Anybody can do it, and it's pretty simple. It is pretty simple, just as long as the people are willing to take the first step. And information galore is available on the internet. People who are willing to take that step further and do something—that is what is lacking.
0: Yes, action, action, action. Always the missing component. Action, action, action. Yes, because. Yeah, I I also say this quite a bit, but um, like it's Africans. What what I've tended to notice with uh, with Africans, there was a time when we had to do this um, fundraising. It was during the um, there was a famine in the in northeastern Kenya about maybe two three years ago. And so we formed this organization and our organization was supposed to go out there and raise money for the famine relief. And I remember, um, I think at this time, I think I was like, what? I was the youngest person in there anyway. And it was me, like a lot of older people, 40, 50 year old people. So we get together and, you know, like the first meeting, it was like, okay, who's the chairman? Who's the treasurer? Who's this? Who's that? And everyone gave themselves some <laughs> titles. Yeah. So we gave ourselves some fancy titles and then we're like, okay, everyone has their title. All right. Now this is what we need to do. We need to print out brochures. So we're like, okay, who's going to be in, who's going to be in charge of the committee of printing the brochures? Alright, so we uh-huh. formed a committee to, to print the brochures. And I, th- and after all this like deliberation and thinking, I think when it was all said and done, we managed to raise $132. Because that, outside of the meeting, a a $132, it's the, the US dollar and the Australian dollar are equal. That's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and 50 of those dollars came from someone who was stopping by the meeting. And because they were they were, they felt guilty because they're not going to help us, so they just put fifty dollars on the table and they're like, okay, let me let me go head on out. So in short, we really did nothing, <laughs> and we're like we're like 20 people, and I realized it was outside of the meetings, none of us were really doing anything. I don't I I don't, I don't even know why, but it's like you know we we get all our brochures and during the week it just all the energy would dissipate. So I think um, the 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 reason I tell that story is just. It seems like we get very caught up in ideas and in, and in titles and, you know, grand dreams, but we never, ever get caught up in the process of achieving things, in the action itself. I guess, um, um, talk a little bit about about action.
1: Okay, I think I, I have a, a story that's similar to yours, but okay. mine has was much more of a success. All I at right. the beginning that I, I first started an organization called Catapult Young Women's Club. Yep. That was like the beginning when I was trying to find myself and try to follow my vision, and which was to really empower women to do better for themselves. So I formed an organization of women. There were about 25 of us from the tri-state area, that's New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and some people from Washington, D.C., and New York. And you'd have these meetings where I would help women come together, set specific goals, you know, um, just – lay out a plan of pursuit. It was not necessarily one of, you know, gathering information and things like that, but I did the brochure thing, and I did the, you know, trying to mobilize all these women uh, things. I tried to, I, I mean, get women from the United Nations and, you know, some ambassadors and stuff like that, women like of that caliber, to come and talk to the women and to encourage them. So my, my kind of thing was a great success until I decided to disband it and move on to other things, bigger and better things, I think, I say. But, I have known, I know so many groups like that, that, you know, they come together and they, they start something and then there's all this politicking because people don't have a common vision. They're not united and not everybody is motivated to pursue that similar vision. You know, the leadership might be very interested in ensuring that the the, the group's objectives are met, but the membership are not together on pursuing that leader's vision. They're probably there for other reasons because they themselves are not sure what they want. They themselves do not even have specific individual visions Mm -hmm. to be able to understand what being part of a larger vision should be. So when people meet together, they think either it's a social gathering or we're here to sabotage it or we're waiting to see how far these people are going to go. It's kind of like we want to sabotage this thing, but we'll just be here to say that it failed, you know? That was how I, I, I mean, some of the groups that I've seen. People are just there for whatever reason, they, they themselves are not motivated enough in their own lives to even have their own specific individual vision. So they cannot work together with and a collective vision. So I think that is one of the reasons why it was always about too much talk and no action. And you usually see that people fall out of such groups, but then people have also to be gauged on an individual basis in that group, as opposed to the larger group, to see how far people can go on their own. Because memberships and all these, people can have interest in these particular things. But only certain people sometimes leave those groups and go into, out and do bigger and greater things for themselves. But you have, everybody has to have like a united vision and be able to do things on their own and get their lives going in order to make something like that successful. That is my opinion. Although miracles happen all the time and there's proof of it every day. <laughs>
0: So how would you propose that people get out of that inertia?
1: The inertia is just to have a motivating issue, something that inspires you as an individual. You know, as long as you're sitting there and not having anything to inspire you beyond beyond normal, you're not going to do anything to change anything. You know, as long as you're comfortable and you can tolerate the circumstance or you can't see the urgency of the issue, Really, most people just sit there because of boredom or for whatever reasons and they don't want to, they're not inspired enough to act because that thing is not compelling enough. They're probably overwhelmed. They probably don't care. They probably just don't see the need why. They probably don't see the benefit. But as long as in people can see the benefit, how is this thing going to help me? How am I going to benefit from this issue? Then people like usually act. But if people just don't see the, the reason why, this thing is so important to them. How is this thing going to benefit me? How is this joining this club? How is meeting with this mentor? How is meeting with this person? How is this kind of conversation going to help me personally? Nobody's going to act. They're going to listen to it. I'm sure since you also have a blog, there's so much useful information in your blog, right? Yeah,
0: I, I try to fill like, it up.
1: There is useful information, lots of useful information that has not been there like for a long time. Many people are going to stop by your blog every day. They, of course, you want them to be engaged. But you'll find that most people will not be engaged in your blog because they think it's entertainment, you know? They think it's, oh, my goodness, I'm just going to be here. I'm just going to be participating. I'm just going to read up. I'm going to read up. But nobody will go out there and apply those things that you have put out there. Why? Yeah. That is a question. Yeah, that because people really...
0: Hmm? Yeah, continue, continue, continue.
1: Yeah, because people really just... I I don't know. I just think it's some form of inertia that just, there's nothing, they they don't see it as beneficial in the sense that they want to use it to change their lives. But it's a good thing. They'll appreciate that, oh, Mwangi is doing a good job. He's writing wonderful articles. He has lots of wonderful things on his website, on his blog. You know, it's useful, of course. And maybe I can send out a couple of comments here and there. But what am I going to do personally to change my life? Nothing. Because people don't have anything to inspire them. Just when you go back to vision, people don't have worthwhile goals to inspire them to change worthwhile visions that they want to act on every single day of their lives that just by reading your, your blog or reading the useful information you, they pro, you provide on your blog will cause them to run forward and say oh my goodness I connected with someone on that blog who can help me further my vision
0: yeah um you see what and, I'm saying yeah and actually yeah. two things uh the first one is um I get about maybe like one or two sometimes sometimes three or four emails of this nature a week where someone will email me um and you know they'll have this they'll have this huge idea about something that should be done, so they'll email me monkeygi monkey wow um I, you know I've read your blog, I like the work that you're doing, all right, I have this idea so they'll they'll describe their idea they'll describe their idea and you know like not, almost actually I don't think I've ever rejected an idea ever really, and so I'll be like, okay yeah, that sounds fantastic, wow, that's fantastic, good all right, if you need any help from me, you know I'm right here, so you know if you need me for anything just you know give me a yell. And like maybe most majority of the time, I've tended to notice that's all that people wanted really. They just wanted someone to talk to. They give me their idea, and then they get it out of their system, and then they can continue living the way they wanted to live, you know. So yeah. I, I just I find that I find that pretty interesting. And um, it's interesting. I guess the thing would be since it seems like the the vision thing is the um is the big thing that people don't dream big enough. How would we help people dream bigger? Because I mean this is these are the lands of endless opportunity there's I, I mean like in this country as I, as I say, I, I still have not from what i 've seen and heard i don't think there's a glass ceiling I 'm yet to see what the glass ceiling is i don 't see institutional racism i mean I, yeah. I, I, I don't see so how would we help people dream big, not live within these preconceived notions that they seem to have, and just dream bigger I think the most it's
1: not even about dreaming big dreaming big is part of the larger picture, but I think that people have to, the first thing that people have to do is to have, find uh, the single most worthwhile goal that will make them wake up every morning for the rest of their lives and work on it even for one hour a day.
0: And that's what I'm asking. How how do we help them create that goal, that fire, that, that thing that gets the fire in your belly, that type of goal?
1: The thing is, we can't say how will you, you know, by the time someone comes, everybody knows what they want to achieve. It's always like on an individual basis. Everybody has that one thing. The thing is maybe people have to understand that they need goals. Why? Because goals help you make progress, you know. Once you can define, for example, I say, my vision is success. How would anybody who comes to live in a foreign land define success? If you really want to have a vision, you have to be able to think that I want to be successful in this country, right? So the first thing is, how would you define success for yourself, not based on anybody else? And it's sometimes, many times, the, the, the mistake that I find, as much as I agree that people should dream big, which is good, people should have simple goals that will enable them to take steps, you know, forward. Because as you keep accomplishing the first step of your dream, the second step of your, of your dream, and the third step of your dream, then you'll be able to see the bigger picture and follow up on it. But when someone tells you to dream big and you can't even dream small, <laughs> then you're just sitting there and wondering what on earth is happening here. Uh-huh. What are you talking about? Then the goal becomes so overwhelming suddenly that someone cannot have the confidence to pursue it. So the first thing is for most people who don't have big dreams, it's just what is that one single worthwhile goal, however small it is. Even if it means you, if you want to start a business, that could be the big dream that you have. So what is the first step that you need to take? Make that your first simple goal that helps you move towards your big goal. What is the first thing? Is this looking for a company name? Then make that your goal. Just break this big, overwhelming goal that you have. Break it into small pieces. What is the first step? Maybe you need to find a company name. Maybe you need, the next step needs to be you have to go out and have it legalized. Maybe you need to find out who your target audience is and work on that. Your t- target, um, What kind of products are you going to sell? Maybe you need to work on your self-worth issues and, you know, issues about you know believing yourself that you can do it maybe that's another part of that goal maybe you need to network with some people maybe you need to find a mentor just within that big goal just have small little goals that you can achieve and then as long as you're making progress then you'll see that you'll be able to achieve that bigger picture how does how do you eat an ele- elephant one piece at, at a time so
0: <laughs> and a, a lot of salt know. and meat tender yes
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> yes just yeah, so sometimes that whole big picture of dreaming big, really, I found, really throws people off. And people so, like, I can't even,
0: Yeah. continue, continue.
1: I'm saying people, most people are like, I can't even dream big. I can't even, I don't even know what I want. So how do you expect me to, you know, people don't even know what to do the next day or the next, you know, how to even change jobs, you know. Just those simple things. People don't even, most people, I'm not talking about like the, you know, some people, I've met lots of people that I work with on a daily basis who have no idea, you know? So yeah. when you tell people to dream big, it really becomes an overwhelming thing. Oh. So usually it's just start small, start small, simple steps. Just like you, Mwangi, remember when you started your blog, maybe just a little bit here, and now you're blowing up almost.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, the fire the, the is going slowly up. <laughs> I know,
1: yeah, but you, you know? Yeah. It's just something like that.
0: And and now that you've been in, you've been in, in the states for a while, have you seen like any major success stories? I mean, you guys are so many. There must be very like stories. Because I think like in very, Minnesota very I'm very like eighty thousand. That's what I was being told.
1: Yeah, I, I'm sure there are very many success stories. There are very 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 many success stories. I've heard about people who have really made it big time, and people are continuing to make it big time. The thing is, the truth is. Success stories will always be there, and they're there every day. But now I'm possibly even thinking just about the people who wonder, these immigrants who wonder whether they they too can be that success story. Those are the people that I feel for personally because success stories are there. That's the encouraging thing. People, People are doing things every day, and people are making things happen, and it just starts with the first step, just knowing what the first step you need to take is, and then from there, you know. You know, stop reading all these blogs. I mean, reading is good and knowledge is good and all those things are good, but start taking some action too. Do
0: and something, and
1: everything works.
0: Yes, do something. Do something. Do something. Yeah. yeah. Instead of yeah, I, I can't tell you how many business plans and grandiose dreams yeah. and market opportunities I hear about all the time and education and degrees. It's 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 I know. yeah. Action, actually is really, action it's really, it's really underrated. Education is overrated in comparison to action. Uh, education and ideas, I think they're really overrated in comparison to action.
1: I think it's some kind of procrastination also. I, I, I take issue with some people who are constantly, I know a couple of people who have constantly be, been doing their PhDs and masters and, and, and whatever it is they're doing forever. To the point where they're not even working. All they're doing is just sitting there and they're always in school, always in school, always in school, always in school. And they keep wondering, when are you going to start living your life? When are you going to start working and helping to support your family? Like It's like some kind of procrastination and people are just so content and we're just living in America. Nobody wants to, you know, they don't want to work. They don't want to get out of that system and do something different. And maybe that life is fine for them. But for me, I I really kind of feel that, (laughs) I don't know, I'm always thinking that there's always something more. (laughs)
0: You and me both.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think I would tend to believe by this stage, from what from what I've seen, I think inertia is a nat- is the natural stage of human beings. I th- that's what I'd be inclined to believe because it's so easy for us to get into a rut, and once we get into a rut, we get very comfortable. So I I think um, to to some extent, it appears as though you getting out of your rut and achieving things is actually it's. An act of the will much more than it's an act that's in line like with the way we're designed. That's what i tend to believe. Yeah. So I think yeah, like just for people who might find it difficult, I think that's the point. It's supposed to be difficult, but just keep going through it. You know, if it was easy, everyone would have it. As the expression goes. Yeah. So just also, that, that whole, yeah.
1: Continue, continue. That, that whole thing of just there's this um, um, favorite quote that I like by this guy called Mike Murdoch that says, whatever you can tolerate, you cannot change. As long as you, you're tolerating a situation, you'll never be able to change it. As long as you're comfortable, as long as you're happy with your inertia, it doesn't matter how many words of wisdom will come your way. It doesn't matter who you hear. And most people really know what they need to do. They really know that they need to do something. But they're just so comfortable in their situation that they are not willing to take the next step. You know, most people like even in just this dead end menial job, some people are content to live the rest of their lives doing that. And that's fine with them. It's just that some people cannot imagine just being in that position. They cannot tolerate it. And that's why they change. But people who are finding it fine, it's comfortable, it's paying the bills. They have nothing else to look forward to. This is the life. They have no mentors. They have nothing to inspire them. They have nothing to motivate them. They'll always stay in that position because what you can tolerate, you'll never be able to change. But, of course, the success stories are people who really have had it with that. You know, they're totally disgusted with how their lives have turned out and they want to make something out of their lives. And anyone can do that, but just be disgusted enough.
0: (laughs) So that is the moral of the day, be disgusted enough and do something. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So someone is about to leave home and they're just about to immigrate. What do you think would be the most important piece of advice to give them?
1: Choose your friends wisely. Choose your friends wisely. Make sure you have friends who are aligned with your vision, aligned with your energy, are on track to help you get on the road that you need to be on, which is the good road where you can be able to achieve your dreams and accomplish things for your life and things like that. So friends are very important. The people you surround yourself with, the mentors you have around you, the people who speak good things and you know, faith in your life and just say that this can happen and you can do it, and people who are constantly encouraging you and supporting you, those are the people that you should make sure you surround yourself with. It's easy to find people who will totally lead you in the wrong direction. And it might be too late before you find out that you needed to be on a separate path. And then also be ready for change. If you come to a new country, make sure you you learn what you need to learn to be able to function in that society. And if there's some old things that are happening in your life, don't come. You know, sometimes you have all these old attitudes of how things used to happen back at home or in your old culture and and in, in your old life that are totally not going to work when you come to a new country. So you need to be able to adapt to what's happening here that can help you get your life on track. And then also just try to have a vision for yourself. Try to understand yourself. Even if you find yourself confused in the beginning, try to really determine who it is that you want to be and who you are. Use it as a learning experience to find out more about yourself and what you can do. Or maybe just start afresh when you come here. Just decide that I want to be this person. I'm going to do this. I'm going to achieve this. And then just start looking for people and situations and circumstances that can help you hit that and just get running with it. And then don't forget who you truly are. You know, it's easy to get lost sometimes when you come to a new country and adopt new cultures and get confused and lost because you're not being authentic. Just try to remain who you are. The core of you, that sweet, beautiful essence of who you are. Let your uniqueness shine through even in business or whatever it is that you want to do, even in college and in school, just let that unique person be you. It's much, much easier living life being yourself as opposed to being a copycat or whatever, a duplicate of someone else. Just try to be you. It's very, very important. And it will make your life much, much easier and much, much more tolerable, even to yourself. And then invest in your dreams, you know, things like that. Just invest in your dreams. Just choose one single worthwhile goal that will get you up every morning. At least you can work on it one hour a day and it will inspire you, excite you, motivate you. Just choose one single thing, one single goal that you can achieve every year and just start working on it every day. Invest in it. You know, don't just read, read a lot of things. Acquire knowledge, of course, but also apply yourself. Apply yourself and do something about it. And it's possible, just one step at a time. And then finally, I just would tell everybody, never, ever give up. Because people achieve their dreams every day, and it's possible. Don't give up, even when you feel like fainting. Sometimes stop and rest and then get up. And just keep going, you know. Just keep going, but don't give up. Because people who give up will never have a story to tell their grandchildren. Just don't give up. That's all.
0: I think uh, the, what, the expression was... Um in the cemetery is where you'll find the most unfulfilled dreams, the most unsung songs. I remember it was a poem, something like that. And I think, yeah, that, that's yeah. to keep in mind. Those are people who probably didn't take action. They died long before they ended up in the cemetery.
1: Yeah and, yeah, and again, some people are always just too close and they give up. And some people always have their thing going when someone comes and speaks, you know, something into your life and says you can't do it or discourages you. And you abandon something which would have totally produced lots of fruit, you know. Something we should, yeah. we should have worked out. Someone comes in and just totally, by one sentence, say something that destroys the whole thing. Choose your friends wisely and don't give up. I think that's like the core of the whole thing. Okay. Then you'll be, <laughs> make something, just like Mwangi.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> This has been the Displaced African podcast. The Displaced African is the African immigrant's personal development blog. You can find it at www.thedisplacedafrican.com.